We're going to look at a bunch of verses today, but we're going to be focusing on two verses, verses 12 uh, and 13 of Philippians chapter 2. And I'm titled the message, Get Busy, Getting Busy. Getting busy in our walk. Though we're saved by grace, we're saved by our faith and our belief that God expects us to respond to that. So it's not enough just to say, hey, I'm a believer, but James will even challenge us in chapter 2 of James that if you say you have faith, show me your works. But we're not saved by works. So what is it? It means when there's a true transformed life, your desires become desires for Jesus to serve him and to be obedient unto his word and to give your all for him. Because why? Because he's worth it. And so as we look at verse 12, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We ask you right now that you would pour out your spirit upon all of us, myself included, Lord God, to give us ears to hear what you're saying to each one of us. And you may be saying hundreds of different things to hundreds of different people. But Lord, we know that you're going to say the right thing to each individual, which is going to encourage them to go further in their walk with you. And so, Lord, we ask right now that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is probably one of the most misunderstood portions of Scripture in the Bible. This is a portion of Scripture that the, the cults will use to put you back under the bondage of legalism. That, that somehow God did his part, you have to do your part, and hopefully you'll be saved. That's nowhere in the Bible. That is not doctrinal. But they'll say, you know, a lot of times when you tell people we're saved by faith, we're saved by faith, we're saved by grace, they say that's great. And then they come to this verse, verse 12 and 13, where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. They go, oh, pastor, what does that mean? There it is. I have to work for it. No, that's not what it means. You need to know your Bible. That's why I always say read your Bible. That's why we're committed here and going through the Bible. So every week when you come here, and it makes it nice for me living in a small town, Kauai, because sometimes people walk in, they hear the message, they go, you saw me come in and you said that. And I go, no, I didn't. And now I know and I wish I didn't know. But anyway, you guys know that I'm going through the Bible. Whether I do a whole chapter, sometimes I do two chapters, sometimes I do half a chapter, sometimes I do a couple of verses, but you know I'm going through the Bible. So that's why I tell you, read ahead. If you don't like what you read, don't come because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on it. So that frees me up as a pastor, especially in small town Kauai, because I know what I have to teach next week. I don't have to think it up. I'm moving you through the Bible. So when people see a scripture like this that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, they say, there it is. I have to work for it. No, no, no. That's why I say, read your Bible. What is the best commentary on the Bible? The Bible. You guys are good. The Bible. And what do we know from the word of God? That we're saved by faith. We're saved by the grace of God. 
You're saved by grace, not of your works, lest any man boast that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. So then what is this saying? He say, what it's saying here is now that you have that saving faith, what God has put in you by his power, now work it out and show everybody else a transformed life. Right? It's not enough to just say you're a Christian. Is your life transformed? It's an important thing to understand. This verse is one of the most misunderstood verses that is taught wrong throughout all the cults and all the legalists. And it's sad when you see somebody become legalistic, when they were saved by grace, and then you see them move back into legalism, and they start putting trips on you. You know, there's, there's churches that, that, that say they're Christians, and, and they say, well, you know, you've got to believe in the Lord Jesus and keep the rules of our church. You've got to be a member of our church. It's Jesus, and you've got to be baptized. It's Jesus, and you've got to keep the law. It's Je- no, it's Jesus and nothing. You can't add anything to it. You, you can't say, okay, Jesus did my part, his part, and now I'm going to do my part, and let's hope I get saved. That's not how it works. And if you're living like that because so many people have been, have been just brought under this bondage that somehow they're not measuring up, they've got to work at it, and hopefully they'll make it to heaven. That is not what the Bible teaches. If you're here today and you're putting your trust in Jesus you're saved by what he did. At the, at the cross, when Jesus died, what was his last words? Good luck? No, he said it's finished. Aren't you thankful? I am so thankful. But I have watched friends of mine go back under bondage because they got caught up in some group that added to salvation, added works, added the law. I've had friends, I had a dear friend who moved to Israel with his family and lived there for about two years, and they'd never been there, and they spent two years there, and, you know, and Israel's an amazing place, and it's like you can just, you you freak out. It's like going to Disneyland as a little kid because you you go somewhere and you go, Jesus was right here. You're like, wow, I'm right there, and your your whole Bible becomes a pop-up Bible now. Because you're like reading the Bible and you're going, I was there. Oh, I was there. Oh, I was right there. And you're so excited. And I thought this is going to be great for them. But you know what happened? They got caught up in this kind of messianic thing where they kind of got pulled back into Jewish traditions. And now they're keeping the feast. Now they're keeping the Sabbath. And now, you know, and you got to say Jesus' name just right or you're not saved. And I was like, bro, you're a legalist. And he's going, no. He goes, you need to worship on Saturday. You need to, you need to do this. You need to do that. I go, dude, read Galatians. And he had a verse for, he's, he's under a guy that has a verse for everything that you're going to say. But my heart is broken. Because he, he's walked away from the simplicity of being saved by faith and realizing that Jesus did it all. And I had nothing to bring to the table except my sorry self. And if you confess his name and ask him to be in your life, You become born again. But if you're saying you're a believer, there should be a change in your life. If you say you've been a Christian 20 years, but you still look like you did 20 years ago, something's wrong. 
Something's wrong. Because supposedly you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is guiding you. Are you listening? Are you, are you yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit? Are you yielding yourself to God in order to be used by God? Or is it all about you? That's, this is the real challenge today. Are you getting busy for Jesus or are you getting busy for you? Have you yielded to the Holy Spirit? Who's running your life? See, there should be a change, not just, not just lip service. Yeah, Jesus is my Lord. Do you, you know what? I believe you're going to get to heaven and you're going to be amazed at how some people aren't there that you thought would be there. And I think then you're going to be blown away that there's people there that you never thought would make it. And then you're going to go, I made it. Right? You should, that should blow you away. Has your life changed? See, you know, if, if the rapture took place, there would be people in this church left behind, I believe. Because you don't get saved by coming here every week and just sitting in the chair. What are you doing for Jesus? Now, we're not saved by our works. I get that. But do you appreciate your salvation? Do you appreciate you've got eternal life? You've escaped hell. It's not enough to know Jesus. God gives you a mind, a heart, and a free will. The mind understands the truth. The heart desires the truth, but the free will has to make a choice. Because there's people that, that know the truth. They know Jesus is Lord. Check this out. James chapter 2, James will say, do you believe in one God? If so, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. Hello? Are they born again? No. Do they believe Jesus is Lord? Yes. Then why aren't they saved? Because they rebelled. Because they didn't choose him. They went after what they wanted. That's pretty scary. So the question is, are you saved by faith? Absolutely. See, when you start putting guilt trips on yourself that, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this, you're never going to be happy because you've become a legalist. And if you think that through your works and your efforts is what's going to give you more favor with God, let me tell you something. God will never love you more today than he did the day you got saved. God is just as pleased with you today as the day you got saved. You can't do anything to make him love you more. Does that make sense? So then why do we serve? Because he's worth it. Because it shows me how much I appreciate it. It's a transformed life. It's important for us to understand that, you guys. How much, see, when someone looks at your life, can they see Jesus? Do you appreciate so much where your every living breath is about Jesus and serving God, and you're just consumed with that? Because it's so easy to get distracted by this world. And it's important to understand these things because, listen, the, the scriptures we read today, 12 and 13, the great discipleship stuff, if you're discipling somebody to explain that out to him, to lay out also when you look at the previous part of that chapter when it talks about hell, I mean, it talks about uh, the, every knee bowing, every tongue confessing. 
that when you share the gospel with somebody, you've got to share with them that hell is a real place. But people don't believe that, do they? Not everybody believes that. They go, well, that's good for you. You know, if you need Jesus, that's a good crutch. I, I need Jesus. He's not a crutch for me. He's, he's an entire, like, emergency ward for me. I mean, I need him every day. Because left to myself, I'll get myself in trouble. But see, people need to understand that there's only two places in eternity, heaven or hell. Which one are you going to choose? So when you share about Jesus, they say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. That doesn't change a thing. It's real. You can say, I don't believe in taxes, but it ain't going to change a thing. A hurricane could be coming for the island, and you say, well, I don't really believe it's going to come. Some people are going to prepare, and some people aren't, but it's not going to change a thing. There's a heaven and there's a hell. Either choose Jesus, reject him, and end up in hell for eternity. That's where you're going to go, whether you believe in hell or not. It's a real place. Eternity is at stake here. That's why you need to sit your children down, and you need to say, listen, do you understand this? That's why you need to talk to your neighbors. Do you understand this? Look at the world. Look what's happening in the Ukraine right now. Russia's moving in. If they drop south, it's on. And we're out of here. Do you realize that? We could be out of here so quickly. Have you shared the gospel with everybody that you can? Do you care for others? Because if you care for others, that's proof of a transformed life. If you're serving God, that's proof of a transformed life. Do I have to serve to be saved? No. You get to serve because you're saved. You get to read your Bible. You don't have to. You get to. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. And it changes your life. And so God says, with that changing grace that's happened in your life, be like me. That's what we're supposed to be Christ-like. If you back up to verse 5, Paul would say, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equals with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. See, God wants us to be bondservants. God wants us to humble ourselves. The Bible says if you humble yourselves, that the Lord will lift you up. If you're prideful, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it says about Jesus being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the point of death, even the death of the cross. Is that something that's in you? Are you going to be obedient unto the Lord even unto death? Are you going to pick up your cross and follow him? He then goes on to say in verse 9, Therefore God, who has highly exalted in him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those of heaven and those of the earth and those under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee. Every knee. That means everybody that you talk to says, I don't want Jesus. I reject that. You'll say, well, I'll tell you what, one day you will bow your knee to him and you will confess him. But I wouldn't want to be in your place when you do it. Because hell's a real place. And you know how many billions of people are in hell right now? And you know one day is going to be the judgment And God's going to take his church out of here and he's going to judge a Christ-rejecting world and then he's going to set up his kingdom and at the end of that kingdom, 
and he puts Satan down for the last time and casts him in the lake of fire. He will wipe away the heavens and the earth, and he will bring out the dead who rejected him, and they will stand before him at the great white throne judgment, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and then he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you, and cast him into the lake of fire. So where are you at today? Are you playing church? You, you think, you know, you think God, oh, you know, you know, Lord, you did so much for me all week, and if I just come and, and make it through one of Pastor Steve's sermons for an hour, then I've given it all back. Is that you today? You think by showing up here that you gave it all back, that was like your, your tithe to God, that your service to the king? No, this is another blessing he's provided for you. This isn't detention. <laughs> this is a chance for you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to get you through the word of God. Because the more you know the word of God, when some cult says something, red flag will pop up. But see, if you don't know the word of God and they say, oh, see, right there, verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's right there. You'll, you'll buy into that. Because why? You don't know your Bible. You know, when I think about hell, I almost wish that God would give us a glimpse, every one of us, because that would jumpstart our walk with Jesus. Think about it. It talks about a fire that never goes out. It talks about a worm that never dies. It talks about pain and suffering, torment, day in and day out, forever lasting. I don't know what that means. The fire doesn't go out. Am I burning there? Is the worm eating me up until he eats me all up, and then I come back together and it eats me again? I, I don't want to know. I, I'm thanking God that I'm saved. I'm thinking that, thanking him that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him unto this day. And I know where I'm going because he's going to finish the good work that he started in us. And we're going to be with him for all eternity. But for those who don't know him, this is stuff they're going to have to deal with. And it's not, so, it's, it's, it's not even as much as the pain and the torture and the suffering day in and day out, but it's the separation from the true and living God for eternity. Think what that's like. You know, think about excruciating pain. Listen, your worst day here on earth is the best day in hell. Your best day in, on earth is your worst day in heaven. What would it be like if God allowed you to feel the pain and suffering of hell for one hour? How about one minute? But see, in all of his grace and all of his love for you, he gives you a chance to avoid all that. And he says, I want you to love me because you love me, and I'm not going to force you to serve me and somehow in our hearts, we think, well, great, I got saved, but I really don't have to do anything. And if that's you, you got a wrong heart. If you're just stoked to get the get out of hell free card, but you're determined in your heart you're not going to serve Jesus, then I got to ask you, are you really saved? See, this is the question that's going to challenge all of us today. Are you really saved? Because if you look at your life, if you examine your life, is there fruit in your life? If there's no fruit in your life, you better ask yourself, are you really born again? Because real saving faith 
produces fruit. James would even talk about it. You say you have faith, show me your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Oh, there it is. We're saved by works. No, that's not what he's saying. Hello, wake up. He's on the same page as Paul. He's saying, you say you have faith, show me your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. He's saying, by a transformed life, you will see that I'm a believer. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. I'm telling people I'm a Christian. I'm still punching people out and cursing and, and yelling at people. And Does that look like a Christian? I don't know if this is hitting anybody right now. And it wasn't in my notes. But can you seriously examine your heart today? And ask yourself, are you playing church? If you're really thankful for what Jesus did for you, there's going to be a change in your life. There's going to be a change. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. This is incredible stuff to share with those that you're discipling. We should all be discipling someone. Because that's what we're called to do is reproduce. Sheep produce sheep. There's a Christian experience that we have to have. And, and I say that very carefully because so many people have abused this idea of a Christian experience. And there's many churches that believe that it's all about the experience and not getting the people through the Word of God. And so you have churches that are all about revving up the crowd. And the problem with revving up the crowd is that you got to rev them up even more next week to keep them coming. And if, if you're just seeking emotion and experience and you're not going through the Word of God, you're going to be let down. You know, I, you get these churches that all they do is they do dramas and they do dance acts and they, they do all this crazy stuff. And I, don't get me wrong, I've got nothing against dramas and videos and dance acts, but not every week. You need to get through the Word of God. But you have these groups that it's all about the experience, and we want the tingling and the fuzziness. And so what are we going to do this week? Well, let's run up and down the aisles with banners and wave banners. Let's flop on the floor like tunas, and let's bark like dogs and roar like lions and holy laughter and, you know, woo, goosebumps, and let's all talk in tongues at the same time with no interpreter. That's not biblical. I know I'm stepping on toes right now, but we need to know what the truth of the Word of God is. Because think about that. If it's all about experience, then how long is it before you're going to have to do something different to rev yourself up because it got a little old? Well, we've been running up and down the aisles with banners for how long now? I'm a little tired. Can we do something different? Yeah, let's bark like dogs. And how long can you bark like a dog till you feel stupid? Okay, well, let's do some holy laughter. And how much can you laugh? Well, then what? Let's, let's flop on the ground. Well, that's kind of hurting my back. What should we do now? There's this new thing called uh, joy unspeakable where you just sit there and go. How about opening the word of God? <laughs> Hello? <clears throat> Guys, I don't know about you, but there's an experience when I come here, right? 
we come to worship and minister to God, he turns around and ministers to us so that we can go out and minister to one another. I'm all in for afterglows. We're doing prayer on Wednesday night, worship and prayer. It's awesome. If you haven't been, you've been missing out. You've been suffering. Oh, well, I'm going through so much. Oh, well, if you showed up at Wednesday night, you probably wouldn't be going through it. Because we will lay hands on you and pray for your situation because we love you. See, but what you don't understand is that, you know, when you worship, you walk in this place and you're saying to yourself, I'm having a crummy day. I'm broken. Everything's going to pieces. And sometimes people walk in here crying. Sometimes people walk in, they're going, it's the greatest day ever. Look at them out there. We're in church. Woo-hoo. And one guy's high, one guy's low. Somebody else is just in between. And then the worship starts. And you know what happens? The guy that was crying is now rejoicing. The guy that was rejoicing in joy has got joyful tears running down his eyes. And the guy who was mediocre is going, oh, this is awesome. Why? Because we're worshiping the king of kings. And as we raise our hands to the king, we are ministering to God. And then what does he do? He turns around and ministers to us through the word of God so we can go out and minister to others. That's the experience that we're looking for. That's the holy Spirit experience that I'm looking for. But when I hear churches say, man, we had such a move of the Spirit tonight that we couldn't even, the pastor couldn't even open up the Bible and read it. That's a little scary to me. That's a little scary. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's into the Word of God. I know even in our afterglows, if we just come here and we pray on a Wednesday night, we open the Bible, we read a passage, we share verses, and then we start worshiping God that he ministers to us so we can minister to each other. The Holy Spirit is into the word of God. The Holy Spirit would never say, hey, don't open up your Bible tonight. Experience. The word of God is Holy Spirit breathed. And as we just read, that, that, that Jesus has the name above all names. But you know, there's something that God puts above his name. Do you know what that is? The word of God. You guys are so good. That, you know, I'll tell you what, that blesses my heart when you interact and you get it right. I like it. Because it's like it's getting into you. The Holy Spirit's working in you. God puts his word above his name. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is who? Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to be in the word. Because we need to understand that our Christian experience is not always going to be amazing moments. There's going to be some valleys, isn't there? There's going to be mountaintop experiences. There's going to be just like the even flow days. And then there's going to be hard days, right? Because in a sense, the walk of a Christian is like this. You're either heading into a storm or you're in a storm or you're coming out of a storm to only head into another storm to be in the storm to come out of that storm. But it's the storms of life that grow you. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I've got your hand. I'm going to bring you through this. And isn't it the storms of life that make us closer and stronger with Jesus? Because when everything's going good, you don't need him, right? Boy, it's going good right now. Yeah, I don't need to read my Bible today. It's just like a great day. Let's do this. Let's, I don't, no need to pray. But as soon as something happens, isn't it funny how your prayer life goes up? 
little tragedy in your life, boy, you're on your face. Tears, snot. Right? Jesus, show help. And then he fixes the problem. We kind of drift away. I'm guilty. And then I realize I've drifted away and I have to say, Lord, bring me back to my first love. I say that all the time. You have no idea. I'm no different than you. I struggle just like you guys. We're human. I'm redeemed. My soul's redeemed, but this flesh isn't. (laughs) That's why there's a battle going on. Are you guys, anybody battling? Well, if you're not, you better check your pulse if you're a Christian. (laughs) Oh, no, nothing ever happens to me. Who are you? I heard it said this, that there's no value to a mountaintop experience unless it helps us to live in the valleys of life. Here's the other thing about the Christian walk. It's not a walk of isolation. It's, it's not a walk of, uh, you know, you know we got to separate ourselves from the world because the world's sinful. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> after Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't long after that, that there were certain people that recognized that the world's full of sin. Hello. <laughs> and, and so they were like, well, we need to separate ourselves from the world because the world is sin-filled. So let's go up on a mountaintop. We'll start a monastery, and then we'll be separated. We'll be the elite. We'll just, you know, we won't have to deal with that stuff. It, hello. That's not what the Bible says to do. We are called not to isolate ourselves from the world, but to infiltrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because the world is dying. And when I hear these Christians, and this is what really hurt me when when we got shut down during COVID, and we spent that, what was it, three or four months where we had to do just YouTube and if, praise God, we still got, you know, a message out. But you know what happened? A lot of you got real comfortable sitting at home in your jammies with your breakfast right there and your phone texting while you're watching the, you know, are you really watching? Right? And I'm not saying all you did that, but how many of you dressed up for Sunday morning service to get in front of the TV? And how many of you just go, cracked open your Bible? But was breakfast going on? Was texting going on? Was, were you being distracted? And then when we opened back up, there was many people that never came back to church. They got comfortable staying at home. And that's sad. I almost felt like I wished we could, like, block a 20-mile radius around this church for receiving YouTube on Sunday so it would, like, force people to come to church. <laughs> I mean, I get it if you're, if you're sick. It's great that you have YouTube, or if you're physically, your condition, you can't get out of the house, and it's, that's, that's a great thing, and I understand it's a great thing for you guys, in addition to coming here on Sundays, is to watch other speakers and listen to other programs. I get that. It's good stuff. But it's not to replace this. Because there's, there's nowhere in the Bible where it talks about us to isolate ourselves. You know, there's people that, like, they say, well, we do our own thing at home. Wow, that's a bummer. Because you don't get this. And nowhere in the Bible does it talk about an undercover brother, secret agent Christian. We got a lot of CEO Christians, Christian, Christmas and Easter only, right? And we got people that isolate themselves. But here the Bible says we're not supposed to isolate ourselves. Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. 
that there is something very powerful. And remember when we came back after COVID shut down and we met, it was that first Wednesday night, this place was packed. And everybody was crying and hugging and the music was going on. We're worshiping. People were telling me this is the most alive I've felt in the last four months. Because there is something very amazing that happens when we gather and worship corporately. Because guess what? You can't break bread. You can't communion. You can't pray. You can't lay hands on each other from your house. And there's something amazing that goes on only when we gather together. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You feel it when you worship. And when the word of God is going out, we have been called by God to go in the world and to spread the gospel and to gather together. So when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what is he saying? Check this out. Well, he went on to say that God worked in us. So what he's asking us to work out is what God worked in in us. He did it all. He's not saying, I'm doing this, you do this, and then you'll be saved. He's not saying that. God says, listen, receive me as Lord and Savior. You will be born again. You'll have eternal life. Guess what? I'm going to place my spirit in you. I'm also going to give you the gifts of the spirit. I'm going to give you the power to do all things in my name. And then when you do it, I'll reward you for what I did in you. That's a pretty good deal. All you have to do is yield yourself to God. That's it. So as a born-again believer, I just show up every morning. They say, reporting for duty, sir. For thou art worthy to receive glory, honor, and power, for we're created for his good pleasure. Lord, I got ideas for today, but hey, go ahead and mess up my plans. I'm here. Do whatever you want to do. What do you want me to do? Give me an ear to hear what you want to do. And so he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this in you. I'm going to give you Holy Spirit power. I'm going to give you the opportunity so you just get in the zone and let it out. Isn't that cool? It's like kind of like a bomb. I got the bomb. Okay, put it over here. Stand back and let it go. Whoa, look at everybody get saved. God wants to use you. Do you want to be used by God? He's going to work it in you. He makes it, so, he makes it so easy for us. Steve, I want you to do this. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, I, I really don't care that you don't want to do it, but I want you to do this. Well, I don't really think that's a good idea. He goes, that's okay that you don't think it's a good idea, but would you do this? Do you ever have those kind of conversations? Just do it. Nike didn't come up with that. God did. Just do it. Just obey. And, and, then, he, and then he says, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you everything you need to do it. I just need you to get in the zone. Does it get any easier than that? We have to yield ourselves to God. God puts it in you, now let it out. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Didn't say some, said all. And all means all. You say, well, yeah, but God can't use me. Look at me. What can God do with me? Look what God has done with men in the Bible and women in the Bible. 
Guys that were nothing. Remember Gideon? Who was he? Loser. Who am I? Loser. Who are you? I wasn't going to say it. But I've seen God use great men in the Bible who are nothing. David, sheep herder. Those were losers. If you know anything about the Israeli culture. But check this out. In Matthew 11, 11, this is, this is crazy. Jesus says, Surely I say unto you, among those born of a woman, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And um, in Luke 16, 16, it says, The law and the prophets were until John the Baptist, who did his ministry during Jesus. They were actually cousins. How's that? Hello? They were cousins. And so... He says, of those born of a woman, how many are born of a woman? You better raise your hand. This isn't a weird church. Okay? He said, those born of a woman, there was none greater than John. Wow, see, I told you. I can't do this. But then you know what he goes on and says? He says, but he who is the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What's that mean? That means Josh. That means Nathaniel. That means PK. That means Timmy. That means all of you are greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because of your position in Jesus Christ. You're the bride of Christ. I don't know what I can do for him. Okay, okay. I got an answer for you. John 14, 12. Check this out. This is Jesus. Most assuredly, I say unto you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. That wasn't good enough for you? Okay, I thought I'd get a little cheer, but all right. It's early. I get it. Let me go farther. Maybe I'll get something out of this. And greater works than these he will do. Okay, so I'm going to read the whole thing again. I'll give you one more shot at it. Most assuredly, Jesus speaking to us, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Okay. All right. I knew it was early. Didn't have enough coffee. But look at the potential that you have. Look at the potential you have. So you want to grow. You want to be used by God. You're going to have to yield yourself to God and then work out what he's already put in you. That's the key. You have to ask yourself, what do I really want? What do I really want? Do I want my way or do I want God's way? Do you really want to experience God? You're going to have to yield to him. Let me close with this. You know how you can have more Jesus? is when you draw closer to him. He says, draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. Draw near, draw nigh unto me, and I'll draw near to you. But you have to make the the first move. He's not going to force his love on you. So when you go, Jesus walked away from, no, he didn't. You left. He didn't leave you. So how much Jesus do you want? Well, you know what? You've got to ask for more. You have not because you ask not. 
You remember when Moses first met the Lord in the burning bush? The Lord was in the burning bush. And that was pretty cool. But then there came to a point in Moses' life where he said, listen, you know, I want more. I want to see you. And you know what the Lord said? He said, no one can stand in my presence and live. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll stick you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll pass by. And after my train goes by, you'll see some of my glory. Right? So he put Moses in, and he walked by. And then Moses saw it, freaked out. And remember, he was glowing? Remember, he came down the mountain. His, you know, they didn't have light bulbs back then. So he was just like, <laughs> they had put a veil over him so he wasn't freaking everybody out. And, but then, I think it was in Exodus, I wrote it down, Exodus 33, where he got to this place where he said, this is it, I can't take this anymore. Show me your glory. He's like, you know what, all this stuff, miracles, doesn't excite me anymore, Lord. Show me your glory. You know, I hear people say all the time, I've never seen a miracle. I want to see a miracle. No, you want to see God's glory. No, I, I want to see a miracle. I hear people seeing miracles. You want to see a miracle? Okay, you want to see a miracle? Anybody want to see a miracle? I'll show you a miracle right now. Look at the person next to you. That's a miracle. Because what would it benefit you to be healed of cancer or a physical ailment or have everything you want and lose your soul? But the greatest miracle that you will ever see or experience is someone giving their life to the Lord. That is the greatest miracle of all. But Moses got to a place, check this out, where he said, you know what, I'm over the miracles. I want more. Do you want more? He said, you know what, the whole changing sticks to snakes, that's great, I like it, but you know what, I don't care anymore. The whole parting of the Red Sea was really cool, but I don't really care about that anymore. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that was leading us around the wilderness, that was awesome. The manna from heaven, the water out of a rock, the earth opening up and swallowing wicked people, the healing of leprosy, that's great, but I don't care about that. I don't care about none of that. I just want to have you show me your glory. And it'll be at that point in your life when you say, Lord, I don't care about more money, the new house, miracles, this or that. Just show me your glory. That's when your whole life's going to start changing. Because none of that matters. King David was said to have a, a heart after God. But you look at King David's life. It was full of obedience and it was full of disobedience, wasn't it? Sounds like us, doesn't it? Say amen. amen. And when, I think it was Psalm 27, when it got down to the, where the rubber meets the road, and, the, and, and then, David, what do you want? You know what he said? I just want to behold the glory of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord. But what about stuff? What about this? I, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. None of that stuff matters. 
I just want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And when we get that in our heads and we devote ourselves to asking the Lord, show me your glory, your whole life is going to change. It's going to change. When you stop thinking it's all about you or anything like that and you just yield yourself to God and say, Lord, you put it in me. I'm going to get rid of it, so I'm going to be used by you. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Then your whole life will change. Amen. Father, thank you for the word of God. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, empower us right now to have a closer walk with you, that we would in our hearts be yearning to see your glory, to be closer to you, Lord God. You've given us that opportunity. You said pray without ceasing. That means you're willing to have a relationship with us without ceasing. You said draw near unto you, and you draw near to us. You're, you're showing us that you want to have a relationship, Lord. Work in us your goodwill for your good pleasure that we would be obedient and work out what you put in. We ask all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys.